Hey there, online family. Thanks so much for tuning into the Refuge Official Podcast today. We believe that the message you're about to hear is a powerful one. We believe that the Lord is ready and willing to do a great work. And we believe that through this message, you'll hear from him today. So please enjoy. So my name is Pastor Deb, and as you all know, my husband, Pastor Matt, is the lead pastor here. And, and are you good here, Alta? Okay. And as he said, um, a few months back, we had gotten together with Alta and Larry, and, you know, we love doing that kind of thing. So if you haven't been on our list, get on it. We love, we love to spend time with people individually and really just get to know the people who God's called to be part of this church and this church family. And so um, as we were talking to Alta and and Larry, we just fell in love with them. And part of what we fell in love with is their tenacity. <laughs> you know, the things that um, they've been through that brought them to the place that they are today. And so I want you all to get ready because you're going to hear a story that's pretty heart-wrenching. And knowing that God can bring us through. And again, I, I think, you know, as we are talking, Pastor Matt and I talking, like when we share things like this is because we know that real people have real problems. Real people go through really hard things. But the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, I mean, if any of us thought, if you were writing your own story, sometimes you think, how in the world did I even get here? How am I even still living <laughs> because of what God can bring us through? Now, some of you have probably had picture-perfect lives. Everything's been hunky-dory all the time. Let me know who you are. <laughs> um, but, you know, we do know that life isn't perfect, but we serve the one who is. And I'm so, so thankful for that. So we're going to open up with a word of prayer, first of all. Father, we just thank you for the time that we have here today. We thank you, God, for your Holy Spirit. And Lord, not one person leave this place today without receiving something from you. Because God, we know that, that you're about our hearts and about changing us and transforming us, about bringing us through things so we don't have to repeat them, but we can move forward with you leading and you guiding. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So... Um, one of the things that I was, you know, as we were talking is, is the purpose that we have and why we share our testimonies. Because we know that the testimonies, the things we've been through, can really help people in knowing, oh my gosh, if they've been through that and they're where they're at today, God, what can you do in my life? And so here's a scripture in 1 Timothy 6, 11 and 12 in the NIB. It says, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So taking hold to what God's called us to knowing that all those things, pursuing righteousness, which means right standing with God, faith, godliness, love, endurance, and gentleness, 
pursuing all those kinds of things because you all know the world has all kinds of other things that we can be pursuing, right? And where does that lead us? <laughs> so um, this testimony, again, is one, Elta, that is going to move our hearts. And so we came equipped this morning, <laughs> just in case. <laughs> and so, Elta, I would like you to just share a little bit with us about your early years and, you know, how you grew up and all that good stuff. Good stuff, hmm? <laughs> <laughs> well, I grew up in a very large family, 12 children. Um, we had a Mennonite church where we basically went to church every Sunday morning and evening and Wednesday nights. So our life was evolved, I guess, or circled around that. It was a core value with my dad praying and reading the Bible every morning. And it was, it was a good life. That's it was awesome. a very good life. And I remember you saying how he would read the Bible to you and, and just the impact that had in your life as you went through different things, remembering that your dad always, the word of mm -hmm. God was so important. And one of the things I guess that stood out to me is the peace at home. Total peace. I never heard my mom and dad say an angry word to each other. They always had respect. And that has been a big impact in my life. To know that that was there and that that could be for everyone. That's good. If they chose to live that way. But if you don't see it being lived... It's really hard to figure that all out. That's good. That's true. Yeah. So then you grew up, had that wonderful home life, and then you went away to Bible college. And then life began. I met a guy there that was from Canada, and we uh, dated for a while and then got married. I moved to Canada. I lived there for 10 years. Um, so you learned to say A? Yeah, A. a. Yeah. <laughs> with the best of them. <laughs> it was very, very different, rough, sad, pain. We had four children born up there. <sighs> yeah. So one of the things that you shared is how, you know, everything was good in the very beginning, but then about six months into your marriage, you started seeing some things. Yeah, I was uh, in the house, and I looked out the window, and I saw my husband slapping around his dad, banging around on him. I had never seen anything like that in my life before. So I decided I'll think about that tomorrow. Mm. That was the way I dealt with a lot of stuff. Yeah, it was the beginning of... I just thought in my heart at that time that, well, that'll never happen to my child or my children. It'll never happen, no. But it did. 
It progressed and got worse and worse. Ultimately, it was the verbal abuse, abuse first, um, and then the physical abuse to me. And then the children started when they got old enough to have an opinion, possibly, and voice that. Then it got really rough. And you said how during those times as the children got older, and you had seven children. Six. Six children. Don't make it any more than I had. Okay. <laughs> Here I thought she was close to eight, and I was going to say, you had double me. You were really good. <laughs> um, so, six children. Six. And then you said that they used to beg you to leave. When they were preteen and teenage years, they just said, Mom, you got to do something. Mom, you got to do something. Um, and, you know, when you grow up that way, there are no options. You see it to the end, irregardless. That was my mindset, I guess, that tomorrow will be better. Tomorrow will be better. Tomorrow never comes, and it never got better. It got worse. But I never would tell them, I would never discuss the issues with my children. It was always, he's your dad, you need to honor and respect him. Because that was what I was always taught. I realize now that that was a mistake. And I think they had to deal with that. Because it was a battle, probably within our hearts and minds, that how is this possible? It's not. And I have talked with them since then that I felt that that was wrong, that you can't respect the unrespectable. That's something that's earned, but yet the position maybe should be respected, but you can't always respect the person. Does that make sense? Definitely. I think um, then as you went through that process, you were at a place that you and your husband both thought that there needed to be help, or you both sought help? After we came, we, after 10 years, we moved down to Wisconsin, and we were, at that point in time, we had left the Mennonite church, and we're attending a Baptist church. And we felt, I felt, anyway, that we really, really needed help. It was going down the wrong way. And so I sought the pastor, and he met with myself and my husband jointly and separately. And... Um, after a period of time, he mentioned, the pastor mentioned to me, he said, you probably know what you need to go do. And I said, yeah, I know. It was a painful time of knowing, but not wanting. Do I really need to? God, are you not out there? But I managed to uh, do what needed to be done, and yeah. And then um, you met with your pastor. He really basically encouraged you, you can't stay in that kind of situation. Right. So if you're somebody who's in a situation or know people who are, that kind of abuse, that physical abuse, that emotional constant torment, 
That's not normal. That's not something that God has for us. And so get help. Come to us. We'll refer you to other people who can help walk you through these things. Mm -hmm. But when you're in a place with all these children and all this, you can feel really trapped. And then you went back to, uh, because the pastor then that encouraged this, then moved on to his next position. And then you met with a board of elders. The elders came to my house uh, a few short days after the papers had been served on my husband. And they sat at the table, and I can still see it, um, and wondered why. Why would I do something like that? Because nobody knew. I did not talk with anybody about it, my neighbors, my friends, nobody. Only that pastor of that church, and he had now left. So when the elders came and wanted to know why, um, I said, well, that was yesterday. Today is the first day of my life, and I'm not looking back. And one of them said, well, if my wife would ever do that to me, I'd be devastated. And I said, then if I were you, I would go home and make sure your wife never has to do this. Because trust me, she does not want to. And they just got up and filed out, and I never saw them again. That was rough. And then one of the things that you had shared is that after that meeting, when she was in a place of such devastating pain, none of those elders reached out to her. You know, something to keep in mind is when people come to you with things that hurt their heart at that level, don't forget about them. Don't forget about the things that they just, you know, shared their heart with and, and are walking through. Remember to go back to them, pray for them, and be there for them as much as you can, or again, refer them to people who can be a help. They need a friend. Yeah, that's right. And so then you said that at that point, you decided, I'm going to leave. And so you left, and you took the children. You, she had help from her siblings that came and helped her pack things up while your husband was there and saw the whole thing. But it was safety in numbers. Safety in numbers, that's right. And then I'll tell you, you said that... Um, your oldest son was already married at that time, and mm -hmm. so maybe share a little bit about that, what was next. You said all your children had left home at an early age. Most, my oldest son was told at the age of 16 to leave and never ever come back, and the door was locked behind him as he went out. So he kind of, yeah. Eventually, he married a girl in Canada, and because that was where he went, because of an uncle, that, an aunt that lived there that he could go to. And but when, and the other older ones too had gone on and lived elsewhere because they weren't welcome at home. But when I moved out on my own and had a house, they all came back. That winter was amazing because there's about five, six months when they were all at home. And it was peaceful. It was just totally 
peaceful. And that's what we all needed at that point in time, was peace, quiet. Yeah. And it was wonderful how they felt safe with you. Yes. Even though you really, you all went through the same kind of thing. Yeah. You know, and, and Alta also experienced that physical abuse. You know, and I think of going through that kind of thing. And, and then again, for her children to know that I can come home and I have a safe place. That was very important to them because they had heard a lot of the verbal abuse that I had endured. And they endured that also themselves. And they saw the slapping around, the beating around um, with myself. And they saw, and of course, they experienced that. So when we could all be together and have peace, it was enormous. And then something drastically happened again in her life. Her mother passed away unexpectedly in her sleep. And at that point, it was about all that Alta could take. And she entered into a deep, deep depression that she didn't feel that she could get out of. I woke up one morning. I went to bed totally, I thought, normal. Went to bed. Oh, I woke up the next morning, and the world was totally black. 100%. It could hardly function. <sighs> um, it, it was something like being in a, a cave with no light or a tunnel and there was no lights anywhere at all. I couldn't eat nor could I sleep. It was indescribable and I know that people that suffer from depression it's awful, but there is hope, I guess, and the only way I knew to get out of it, because raised we are, the way we were, we didn't seek outside help as a rule. We figured it out, and we'd get up really, really early in the morning before the children were around, and read just a little bit, just pop the Bible open and read wherever it fell open. And I would carry a portion, a few words, a line with me all day. And I had to remember that every few minutes, every hour, all day long in order to, to survive. And eventually I could just maybe lengthen that time. But without that, I don't know where I would be, but I just wanted to be normal and, and be able to enjoy life. And I just felt that that was probably the only way I was going to get back to that normal state of mind. And one of the things that you shared then when she was at that place and felt like, I, I don't know where I'm going to turn, I don't know what I'm going to do, that she um, actually left. And she, again, had the support of her family, siblings around her, and she decided that she just needed to leave. And so her siblings helped to care for her children, and you said you just got in your car and you drove. 
at 12 o'clock one night, I thought, this is enough. I got into my car and started driving. It was a blizzard, cold January evening, night, and started the drive, and I had no idea where I was going to go. Um, got to Eau Claire and saw a sign that said 94 West. I thought, that's a good place to go. Eventually, the ocean will be there, right? Um, the things that happened on that trip, and I don't think I mentioned this to you, but at one point in time, I had one of these in the car with me. It was about all used up till I got to my destination. Um, I just prayed, God, it is now up to you. I'm done. I don't remember anything else but that, that I was done. So be it. It was very tempting, very tempting for me to just get lost somewhere and nobody would ever find me. Just go away. And you know, the sad part about that that has eaten me up over the years was that I could actually walk away from my own children. To think about the state of mind that I was in that I could do that is unbelievable. Um, but one of the things that after I prayed that prayer that happened is that I was driving down a road in Idaho, I believe somewhere, and um, I must have dozed off. The sun was bright. I remember it was a very beautiful day, and I drove into the snowbank. If I would have driven the other way off the snowbank, I would have went down on a very deep cliff. But I ran into this snowbank, and I was stuck. And it was a very lonely road. Um, but it seemed like within minutes, there was a guy there with a pickup truck that pulled me out, checked the car all around, make snow wasn't packed in underneath. And then he said, I will follow you to the next town. And he said, drive carefully because the snow melting is bringing the rocks down from the cliff. Um, and I hit one of those rocks and had a flat tire. He changed a tire for me. And he said, I will follow you now to a place where you can get your tire fixed or buy a new one. It was late. It was dark. I said, well, everything will be closed. He said, I know a place that will be open. We went there, and they were open. Husband and wife were there, cup of coffee, which heals all your wounds. <laughs> <laughs> and it was amazing that I could get tire for 20 bucks. I don't know how that happened, and went on my way. But that whole scenario in my mind was God. It was a God thing. And I knew, there were so many incidences along that trip, but I knew without a shadow of a doubt that there was a God and he was watching over me. And one of the things she did, she was heading west. She had an aunt who lived in Oregon. And so that's where she landed, in Oregon. And I love what you shared about your aunt when you walked in the door. That was amazing. Uh, 
I found her number in a telephone book, because back then they had pay phones, and um, drove out to her house. She said, you're just, she told me on the phone, you're very fortunate because I just got home from Israel and yesterday I would not have been home had you called. But when I opened the door and walked in, she just looked at me and she said, come here, lay down on the sofa. She got a big fluffy cover. And she never said a word about why. She asked absolutely no questions. She said, we'll get a cup of coffee. And I thought, that'll help. That'll help. <laughs> <laughs> it was wonderful. She never asked questions. She just loved on me. And that was exactly what I needed. So then after you were there, then she settled settled there. She had um, gotten a job and, and then had her children come back and lived with her. And you were there for about three or four, three or years. four years. And um, their youngest son, Scott, had really longed to have a relationship with his dad. He wanted his dad in his life. So dad, your role in your kids' lives are super yeah. important. So knowing that a healthy relationship, you all are men who love God, who know God, and you can give your children a healthy relationship and a healthy relationship with the Lord. And knowing that, that your son longed for that, you went back, came back to Wisconsin, and came back to your husband. Scott, my youngest son, was kind of too young when we separated for him to understand what had all happened and transpired. So for him to want to go back to his dad was a very normal, natural thing. And since he didn't understand what had happened, and I thought after five and a half years separation, I'm different. Maybe my husband would be different too. So when they suggested getting together as a family again, I could not say no to that little guy. Um, I just thought, what if? See, we always hope, don't we? We always hope things will be better. And so she came back, but then she made an inner vow to herself that if anything ever happens again, I'm out and I'm done. And so you came back, you made that vow, and one of the things that you said that I thought was amazing is how she didn't talk to people about the things that were going on in her life. Now, I believe that it's important that we all have at least somebody other than God that we can talk to about things, somebody that can be a trusted confidant, somebody that you know is going to lead you and, and help take you to places that are closer to Jesus, not running down a pity party path, because that doesn't really help bring healing to us, right? But to a place that we know that Jesus will help to bring healing. And so having a person like that, and she's somebody who didn't share anything with anybody. And something that you said that was, I just think, really words of wisdom for all of us. Do you remember what that was? Okay, I'll tell you. <laughs> so some, something that you said 
is you didn't share things with your siblings because you just knew it would turn into gossip. Well, their perspective would be different than mine, and they can't fix it. So what would be the point? And besides that, I was the kind of person, unfortunately or otherwise, would always say, I'll think about that tomorrow. So I never really faced the issues, maybe head on in a way that would have been healthy. Right. So I figured if I didn't tell anybody, nobody would know. And also being with other people and going other places took me out of that situation so that I could be normal, I guess. And I didn't want to drag it around with me. I absolutely did not want to drag it around. Oh. So then the abuse started again. Oh, yeah. And so she, she fulfilled that promise that she made and she left. And again, that was a devastating time for you in your life. And I think something with Alta is as she was going through these things, she didn't know how to get help. She didn't know what to do. And so she basically separated herself from her family because she didn't want to face what came with that. Whether that was right or wrong, it's what you did at the time. Well, as growing up as Mennonites, you don't divorce, you don't separate, you endure for Christ's sake, so I was told. And I knew also that my siblings had been given information that I didn't give them. And so they're going to have a biased opinion. And I wasn't going to argue about it. I wasn't going to talk about it because they didn't know. You don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And then you had um, gone about seven or eight years that you had um, been single and, and then you met the man of your dreams. True. <laughs> um, Larry, who, if you haven't met him, everybody shake his hand today because he's an amazing man, stable and steady. That is the most wonderful thing known to man is to, <laughs> to have a guy leave in the morning and know that same person is coming back in the evening. Mm. I hadn't experienced that before because never, I never knew who was going to be there before in my first marriage. I didn't know who I was going to meet when I went around the corner. With Larry, you know. That's good. You know, and it is... Thank you, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that Elta said is that during that time, she didn't have a whole lot of contact with her family. But then um, you have a daughter who had a child that was developmentally disabled and um, really was striving to hang on to life. And that child died. On a Wednesday, sleep. yes. On a Wednesday morning, this child died. He was nine years old. Um, it didn't affect me at all. I think I was numb to any emotion by that time. I was either very cold and hard or numb. I'm not sure which. It was just, I had. I was a spectator maybe at the funeral. I had felt no emotion at all. But a week later to the day, my youngest son was killed. God has a way of getting your attention, doesn't he? <laughs> he got mine. 
because I had not interacted with my children after the final fatal moment of divorce. Very sketchy. I didn't want to. I didn't care. And this is so cold and so hard. But I was trying to keep my head above water. It was the only excuse I had. I was numb to everything. Um, but when Scott, when I got word that Scott died, that melted. That was hard. Went to that funeral a week later to the day after my grandson's funeral, and all of my children were there. And we were all hurting. Um, I decided that day things are going to change. I can't do anything more for Scott. He's gone. But I have five other children. And I am going to make a difference in their lives somehow, some way. That started a journey that has been phenomenal. It happened in March. And September, on Labor Day weekend, I called my three girls. I did not call the boys at all, the two boys, and said, Larry and I are going to be at this cabin on the lake over the Labor Day weekend. If you care to, you can join us. I had no idea if they would come or not. They all came. We had a wonderful time. When it was time to leave, I asked them, would they like to do that again? And they just, yes, Mom. <laughs> it was just like that. We've been doing that for 18 years. And every time, it is amazing. The boys came after that, and there aren't words to describe what happens on a Labor Day weekend. <laughs> the rule of thumb is no negative. We're going to make, we have enough icky memories we don't need anymore, and we are now going to make some happy memories. And this last, can I share this? This last Labor Day weekend, of course, campfires are a big deal. And we were sitting all around the campfire, and they went around circle. And my daughter had orchestrated this, and she wanted everybody to share something about what these weekends meant to them. It was wonderful. Yeah, there is hope at the end of the tunnel. There is light at the end of that tunnel. But it takes effort. And it's so worth it. It is so worth it. Just to see my children enjoy each other's company as well as mine. It's indescribable. I think, you know, what the enemy meant for harm, how God has turned it around. You know, and I, I think of the whole story of redemption. You know, and when you go through things like this, a big thing that you have to do is forgive yourself. You know? That's hard. It's hard because you were in the middle of pain, so you made decisions based on that pain. And yet, the other thing that I think is absolutely amazing is how you still, through that whole thing, hung on to God's word. So he was your firm foundation. 
And you know, that goes back to the childhood like I had and the home that I grew up in. I knew what that should look like. I knew that it was out there because I had experienced it. And children tend to live what they see being lived. And that was always in the back of my mind that, you know, I could have that too in my home, that peace. My parents, I'm sure, were very human, and I'm sure they had their disagreements, but at least they didn't broadcast them to the children, to the us as we were there at home. And there's one thing that, you know, you talk about training up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Sometimes you wonder how old they have to be, but anyway, that's beside, <laughs> <laughs> that's beside the point. But if they've got that solid background, that solid ground to reflect back on, it gives them, there's hope no matter what life throws at them. I have watched all of my children struggle and struggle and struggle with life. They don't know what it looks like to have a peaceful home. They tend to waver around and search and search for that peace. And you know, if there's one thing you can give your children, parents out there with children, you want to give your children gifts, we all do, is the gift of love and respect for the parent, each parent for each other. If the parents have love and respect for each other, as you navigate life, those children will respond to that in a way, it's nothing but good for them. It's the best gift in the whole wide world, in my opinion, because my children did not have that, and I've watched them struggle. It's hard to watch. It's really hard. But you know, I also love that God heals the brokenhearted. And when I think of those campfire times that they have, you know, that flame that's burning in there, it's just, it's the healing balm, the healing power of Jesus Christ. And that's something that your children are getting. And another thing that she shared with us is she's had those times with her children, but now she pours into her grandchildren. And we got to meet one of them. <laughs> She's actually on the mission field in the Middle East. And so um, I love that that's now become your purpose. And as we close, why don't you just share a little bit about that part of your purpose? Well, you know, I always feel that God puts us here for a reason. We're still here. He hasn't taken us out yet. So to find that purpose, and as I, my grandchildren are teenagers and beyond, some of them, they'll come to the house and they'll open up and talk to me maybe in a way that they wouldn't to their parents sometime as they go through the teenage years. But I love it that I can ask them the questions and they start to talk. I feel that, that that's why I'm here. Uh, the last Labor Day weekend, we always have a puzzle out so that anybody doesn't know what to do, they can do the puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> and my grandson, who was getting married in a couple months, was sitting there by himself, so I went and sat down, 
And I loved the way he opened up when I would keep asking questions and then he would talk and I'd ask another question and he would talk. And, and to me, that, that I can share with them and they feel free to pour their hearts out to me, I just feel like that's what I can do. I have a lot of grandchildren. I don't know how many. <laughs> and they're all growing up, and I just love it when they come to the house, too, and we can just sit and talk and have coffee. We always have our coffee, yes. Yeah, and, and I, I love that. You found purpose. And, and even though all the junk in the, in the past, there's future. There is. And so, you know, as we close today, just, again, for those of you who... Maybe you need to be rescued. Maybe you know people who need to be rescued. You know, again, reach out to people. We'll, we'll connect you with people that can be a help to you. In Ezekiel 36, 26 through 28, it said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees, and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people, and I will be your God. One of the things she shared is the hard heart that she had was softened. And so that's exactly what God does when we turn our life over to him. He softens our heart. And so we're going to close now the word of prayer unless you have another closing comment or statement or scripture or well, any good stuff. The one other thing I guess I wanted to share with you is I memorized Psalms 33, 23, I'm sorry, Psalms 23. I memorized that and that has gone with me all the way around because the Lord is my shepherd. He's your shepherd. What shall I want? What is there left to want? I think it's there in a nutshell. Well, we're going to go ahead and thank you all so you can have a seat. Thank you so much. But we're going to go ahead and close with a word of prayer. And I just want to thank you for being attentive today and, and really hearing Alta's heart and things that she had to share. And again, part of this is knowing, honestly, if you walked in this place and you just met this lady, this couple, you would have no idea the struggle that she walked through to get where she is today. And so I love how God redeems our lives, how he turns it around and he gives us a firm foundation. This song that we're going to sing now talks about that firm foundation. So let's close with a word of prayer. Father, I just thank you for every person that's here today. And God, we know that you've tugged at hearts in different ways with, with Alta's story. And Father, I just ask that by your Holy Spirit that you continue to move in Alta's life, in her children's life, in her family, and God, also in all of our hearts, we just thank you, Lord. And for those of you with every eye closed, with no one looking around, if you're somebody that you feel like you 
want God to have that first place in your life. Whether you've been away from him and it's time to turn around, to change your life, to be at the place where God wants you to be. I just ask that you raise your hand before God and say, God, I need things different in my life. I need a change. You can go ahead and raise your hands. Thank you. See all those hands. Thank you, God. Father, I thank you for each hand that was raised in every person under the sound of my voice. God, that you touch each one of them in their individual way that their heart needs healing, Lord. And I ask that you move by your Holy Spirit. I thank you, God, that they have a new life, a new life in you, Lord, that you can turn all those things around. And I thank you, God, for the firm foundation that you give us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for tuning into the Refuge Official Podcast today. We hope that this message spoke to you in a very meaningful way and that you were able to connect with the Lord. And hey, if you made a decision to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior today, we are first and foremost just so happy for you and we would love to get connected with you. So if you want to find some more of our content and find out how to get connected with us, feel free to check out our website at wearerefuge.net. Be blessed and have an amazing rest of your day.